Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the CBS News Roundup ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This is the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Coming up... I might go through two three pairs of shirts in a shift just because it's sweating. Extreme heat. What the president is doing to help keep us cool. Help is here. And we're going to make it available to anyone who needs it. Plus, former President Trump blasts the new federal charges he's facing about classified documents. This is harassment. This is election interference. And it never happened. And the woman who claimed she was abducted has now been charged. Tony Russell turned herself into the Hoover City Jail. Hello, I'm Stacey Lynn in Washington. Allison Keys is off. Well, there is no way around it. It is sweltering, sweaty, and scorching. The brutal heat wave affecting hundreds of millions. Now the president has announced new measures aimed at helping communities deal with the soaring temperatures. With extreme temperatures threatening tens of millions of Americans, President Biden is taking action. Help is here, and we're going to make it available to anyone who needs it. The president is directing the U.S. Labor Department to ramp up protections for people working outside in the unrelenting heat. The acting secretary of labor will work with her team to intensify enforcement, increasing inspections in high-risk industries like construction and agriculture. Last week, a 25-year-old farm worker and father of two died in Yuma amid the record heat wave in Arizona. It's really, really important for employers to think a little bit more deeply about the conditions and, and what they're asking people to do. Firefighters in Minneapolis, Minnesota, trying to stay cool themselves, have been on high alert. If it's someone that's really in need of help, then we're there. Heat advisories and warnings are up along the East Coast, with temperatures here in New York City expected to feel like over 100 degrees. It's essential that all New Yorkers stay cool. City officials have opened cooling centers across the five boroughs and plan to keep public pools open an extra hour. This is not our first heat wave. And with climate change accelerating, it won't be our last. Climate experts project this July to be the hottest month ever recorded on the planet. The era of global warming has ended. The era of global boiling has arrived. The United Nations is calling on global leaders to step up, warning the time for action is now. Bradley Blackburn, CBS News, New York. It's not just the U.S. that's super hot. Parts of Europe are burning up as well. But CBS's Ian Lee tells us that's not stopping tourists. People will go to extremes to check something off their bucket list, even in the scorching sun. I uh, just threw up, and I'm trying to collect myself again as I've wanted to see this my entire life. At the famous Acropolis in Athens, 
American tourists lined up this week in 113 degree heat. He's good. He has a fan, mist, food. The Greek capital is suffering its hottest July in 50 years. Very, very hot, very hot but it's okay. Record-breaking heat and wildfires are cooking continents from Europe to Asia and Africa. In Algeria, raging infernos are burning through mountain villages, killing dozens. In Syria, firefighters are struggling to beat back blazes. And this dramatic video from the Italian island of Sicily shows flames lapping against cars. Officials around the Mediterranean blame this summer's wildfires for killing more than 40 people while leaving thousands more homeless. Now to the new legal troubles for former President Trump. There are new charges and a new defendant in the classified documents case against him. This is harassment. This is election interference. A 60-page superseding indictment accuses Trump of conspiring to pressure a Mar-a-Lago employee to delete security camera footage that had been subpoenaed by investigators. The indictment also names a new defendant, Mar-a-Lago property manager Carlos de Oliveira. Prosecutors allege he told an IT employee, quote, the boss wanted the server deleted. The cover-up is not only a crime in and of itself, it also shows that this was not an accident. And the former president now faces an additional count of willful retention of national defense information. He's accused of showing an Iran war plan to visitors at his New Jersey golf club. The latest legal development comes as the former president waits for a possible indictment from a Washington, D.C. grand jury looking into Trump's actions following the 2020 presidential election and the January 6th Capitol attack. As the legal issues pile up, Trump remains the front runner for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination. Sources close to him tell CBS News his inner circle is confident about his chances, but also on edge. Natalie Brand, CBS News, Washington. In a dramatic twist, Hunter Biden's plea deal with the Department of Justice has been put on hold. CBS's Catherine Herridge with the latest from Wilmington, Delaware. As Hunter Biden entered the Delaware federal court, his team carried a sense of optimism. The plea deal would bring his legal troubles to an end. But Judge Mary Ellen Norica, a Trump appointee, said she needed more information before she could accept or reject the deal on misdemeanor tax charges and a gun violation telling the court she felt she was being asked to rubber stamp an agreement she had concerns about. There's no reason to have a train wreck like today. The hearing laid bare a critical disagreement between U.S. Attorney David Weiss, a Trump appointee, and Hunter Biden's legal team over whether the plea would close the door on future charges for other possible crimes. Weiss has said consistently the probe is ongoing. Scott Fredrickson is a former federal prosecutor. How unusual is it for a plea agreement to fall apart? Well, plea agreements uh, fall apart every day in federal court, but they don't fall apart in high-profile cases like this based on such fundamental misunderstandings. The judge also had constitutional questions on how the gun charge would be handled. In the plea agreement, the charge would be dismissed if Biden remains drug-free and commits no additional crimes for two years. On Capitol Hill, the Republican House Speaker reacted. There shouldn't be two justice systems in America, and hopefully today that's what's being done. Hunter Biden left court and did not comment to reporters as originally planned. A plea deal is still possible. The parties have 30 days to answer the judge's questions before she makes a decision. 
The White House said Hunter Biden's tax case is a personal matter. Now to a story that gripped the nation about an Alabama woman who faked her kidnapping. 25-year-old Carly Russell disappeared after calling 911 on July 13th and saying she had seen a toddler alone on the side of an interstate. She showed up at her home two days later telling police she'd been abducted and forced into a car. Her decisions that night created panic and alarm for the citizens of our city and even across the nation. Hoover Police Chief Nick Dursis said he thinks the charges Russell now faces aren't serious enough. I know many are shocked and appalled that Miss Russell is only being charged with two misdemeanors. I, too, share the same frustration. Christopher Cruz, CBS News. Coming up, a major military parade in North Korea. The parade featured some of its most powerful weapons. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to the CBS News Weekend Roundup. I'm Stacey Lynn. A major military parade was held this week in North Korea. Reporter Alex Jensen is in Seoul. Marking the 70th anniversary of the Korean War armistice, which North Korea celebrates as Victory Day, the parade featured some of its most powerful weapons, and among them was the North's latest solid-fuel intercontinental ballistic missile, perhaps the greatest threat the country currently poses to the United States. Senior officials from Russia and China attended the military parade, which was held amid prevailing anti-American sentiment. Meanwhile, the relationship between the U.S. and China is heated, the future of Taiwan being a big issue causing a lot of tensions. Think tanks are mapping out how those tensions could escalate if mainland China invaded Taiwan. This is our game board, which has multiple components. The main part was a theater map that shows uh, sort of East Asia or the Western Pacific. Stacy Pettyjohn is with the Center for New American Security, a think tank working alongside the Pentagon and Congress as they weigh crucial decisions on budgets and military strategy. China really is an economic competitor and has that latent power to challenge the United States in all aspects. To illustrate those challenges, the center created this board game. It has a rule book, counters and markers representing aircraft and battleships, even graphs showing the impact of economic sanctions. Illinois Congressman Raja Krishnamurti played the game in real time. Was there any aspect of it that was eye-opening for you? Oh, sure. I think that uh, one is we should never, ever uh, have that conflict actually materialize. That would be a bad day for the world. 
He and fellow lawmakers maneuvered through potential scenarios, including Chinese warships targeting Taiwanese chip manufacturers and attacks over disputed territories in the South China Sea. We need to see um, the CCP engage in less uh, dangerous behavior, aggressive behavior, militaristic behavior that could spark a conflict someday. There's no easy solution, but there are lots of things that we can do, like build more of the right missiles, improve the resiliency of our bases and our posture that actually dramatically will improve the situation. Pettyjohn worries U.S. strategy is behind when it comes to China, but says games like this are a move in the right direction. Skyler Henry, CBS News, Washington. Off to Israel now, where the Supreme Court there will hear appeals against a controversial new law that curbs its power. The Supreme Court said it would hear a petition against what is called the reasonableness law, which makes it harder for the court to overturn decisions made by the parliament. But it did not issue an injunction against the law, meaning it has taken effect despite six months of protests of hundreds of thousands of Israelis. Doctors held a strike against the law Tuesday, but the labor court ordered them to return to work. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says many are overreacting to the law. Israel will remain a democracy and will continue to preserve individual rights. Linda Gradstein for CBS News, Jerusalem. The countdown is on for next year's Olympics in Paris. Exactly one year before the Paris 2024 Olympic Games open, excitement is building in the French capital. Just being here on vacation is a blast, so I can only imagine how exciting the Olympic Games will be. American tourist Mary Coltrider says she will be glued to the TV next year. More than 10,000 athletes will compete over 19 days. The opening ceremonies will be along the River Seine in what the organizers promise will be a display. Elaine Cobb, CBS News, Paris. All eyes on Team USA. One win and one draw so far in the Women's World Cup. The team's now getting set to take on Portugal on Tuesday in Auckland, New Zealand. We've been lucky so far when it comes to what times the matches have been held. Not the case for Tuesday's final match. It will be at 3 a.m. Eastern time, which means East Coasters could set their clocks extra early to watch. Those on the West Coast will need to stay up extra late. Either way, with soccer taking the national stage, doctors warn the risk of concussions from playing is very real. Two and two more players down. It's scenes like this that FIFA is trying to avoid. Look like head to head. The 2019 World Cup final halted by a brutal head to head collision between two players, including American Kelly O'Hara. These are scary moments. Still, both players soon re-entered the game, but during halftime, O'Hara was removed. An example of how inconsistently officials have approached these injuries in the past. So many times I've seen so many different injuries, in particular uh, head injuries, just not be seen and not be treated properly. Roughly 10 years after winning the 1999 World Cup as part of the U.S. team, goalkeeper Brianna Scurry suffered a serious concussion. An opposing player's knee smashed into her temple, but she continued to play for another seven minutes. What do you remember from that hit? You soldier on, you fight through, even though I was like tilting to my left and the, the names of the backs of the jerseys was blurry and I knew where I was because I was wearing my uniform, but if you asked me where I was, I couldn't tell you. Scurry went on to experience debilitating headaches and cognitive issues that lasted for years, and she never played soccer again. Fast forward to today, and FIFA says it's hoping to lessen those dangers. 
World Cup matches this year will feature concussion spotters, medical personnel who will follow the games on a monitor, where they'll have the ability to re-watch collisions in slow motion. And if they suspect a concussion, they're tasked with informing team doctors. Sophia Smith is a forward on the U.S. team. Do you think that that's a good move is enough being done? Concussions are serious and can oftentimes get looked past. I think it's great. I think it's needed. According to several studies of high school soccer players, females have a 60 to 80 percent greater risk of getting a concussion than males. Research also shows that after getting hit, women tend to exhibit more concussion-related symptoms and it takes longer for them to recover. Of all the sports, soccer is one of the highest risk sports for concussion in women. Glenna Seaman is a brain injury and sports neurology specialist who has worked with concussion spotters. What happens to an athlete's brain when they get a concussion? So when someone has an impact either to their head or to their body, the brain kind of shakes inside the skull and sometimes twists upon itself. And really the general way to think about it is that even at the small level, the nerve cells kind of stretch. Seaman says the injuries can be difficult to catch in real time. There are honestly things that we can miss, and it's not because we're not watching us, but the angles are different. Um, the types of injuries, especially when you slow them down, are different. It's why she and players say the new policy is a step in the right direction. Do you think the culture around concussions is changing? I really do. I think it's coming a long way, but obviously there's a ways to go yet. But uh, that concussion spotter, that's a mark of progress. Nancy Chen, CBS News, New York. Coming up, Elon Musk says bye-bye, Birdie, and changes Twitter to X. So is this the beginning or the end of the social media giant? If I could have my own uh, single character, I would put question mark. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup. I'm Stacey Lynn. A lot of moving and shaking in the tech world this week, and our tech contributor, Ian Schur, is here to talk all about it. And first up, Ian, the app formerly known as Twitter, Elon Musk says, bye-bye, Birdie. Yeah, it's really kind of weird. He decided to change it into X, uh, which he has apparently been obsessed with, this idea of X for a very long time. It goes back to the days of PayPal, so two decades practically. And uh, a lot of this is that he wants it to be the next big app we all use for banking, for communication, for everything. And look, uh, there are examples of that in places like China, where WeChat is a very popular app that does everything pretty much. But here in the States, there's been a lot of people who've tried and failed. And frankly, uh, it makes us all wonder, why did he buy Twitter in the first place? Like, it wasn't for the for all the employees because he fired a lot of them. And it wasn't for the brand because he just tossed it in the trash. So what's left? How are people responding to this even? Because I feel like most people are making fun of it and and kind of jumping ship. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's definitely enough people making fun of it. And, and look, I, you can't blame them. At this point, we've watched this thing go from drama to drama. And, you know, whether or not Elon Musk was acting with the best of intention, things have become a mess. And he's been very forthright about that himself, saying that they're struggling to make money, even though they've cut their costs significantly. I think the key question and the thing I'm always looking for is whether or not this is going to change 
how Twitter, or I guess we call it X now, how influential it is, right? I mean, if you think back the last 10 years, it has been where presidential policy has happened. It is where a lot of breaking news reports are centered around. You've got sports Twitter, which is enormous, finance Twitter as well. So the idea that these things could suddenly crumble is is really fascinating. Of course, what replaces it if they do? All right. Speaking of making things work, when Threads was unrolled a couple of weeks ago, it was said to be huge and just so many people signed on at the start. And then it started kind of petering out. Where are we now with Threads? Yeah, I mean, it still has an enormous number of users. If you count it against all the other Twitter wannabes, as we call them, right? Uh, there's T2, there's uh, Mastodon, there is uh, Blue Sky. I mean, there's just a bunch of them out there. Uh, none of them have been able to gain the traction, it appears, that uh, Threads has been able to. And it makes sense, right? That Facebook slash Instagram slash Meta, whatever you want to call them today, uh, they have billions of people using their stuff. This was tied to Instagram, which is already a popular brand, particularly among younger people. It has a billion active users. So the idea that 10% of people basically jumped on in the first week makes a lot of sense. But then data has been showing us that usage has dropped off. Now, that is normal, right? When something comes out, everyone's like, oh, let me try the shiny new thing. And then they kind of get tired of it until something new about it comes up. But I think the real question still becomes, is it able to to fill that void right? that that Twitter is is seemingly walking away from right the this this influence thing because even Facebook has said they don't want politics and news to be the central thing about Threads and if that's the case then what's the point right <laughs> like I'm really curious to see who's going to become that central area of all of the most powerful people in the world talking to each other. TikTok may be feeling the threads heat a bit. So they've launched a couple new things. And one big one this week was actually the ability to post text, which, you know, TikTok up until now has all been about video. Right. And uh, it, it, look, I think that in a lot of ways, TikTok is probably looking at the drama at Twitter and be like, "Ooh, there's a void. We could fill that. But at the end of the day, I don't know whether people are going to use this text feature a lot. Uh, TikTok is is certainly not a place that presidential policy, for example, has happened. But um, that said, 20 years ago, if you told me that Twitter was where that stuff would happen, I would have told you you're nuts. TikTok <laughs> is not there yet. <laughs> exactly. So, let's talk about our, our other forms of entertainment. It seems like everything is getting more expensive. Uh, we heard that YouTube, Spotify, they were the latest to start jacking up their subscription prices. How high are these all going to go? You know, that's a really good question. They all say that it's because of the cost of content, right? The reality is that uh, the cost of making stuff constantly goes up. And that's partially because, you know, inflation, but also it just costs more to make better stuff. Movies are similar, right? And so no surprise that now the streaming service providers who, by the way, are providing a lot of the financing for hit TV shows, hit music, hit movies. Of course, they are saying that prices are going up. So now we'll see whether or not people are willing to pay for it. And I think, honestly, that is where the limit will be, right? It's not about whether or not, you know, how high can this price go? Uh, honestly, the the rule of, 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 uh, of money is that you charge whatever the market will bear, right? So the real question is, when will people say, enough, I'm done, I'm signing off, I'm canceling my account, and enough people do that, 
that the companies say, okay, <laughs> we went a dollar too high. We're going to lower prices now. Uh, I think that will be really a, an interesting moment. And I don't think that will happen. I, I think people say that they're not going to do it, but in the grand scheme of things, they're going to do it because they're used to doing it and they just want to continue with their mindless entertainment. The, the data definitely shows that we are willing to pay for our mindless entertainment. Tech contributor Ian Schur, always great to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Now to some close encounters on Capitol Hill, where there was a very unusual hearing held this week about UFOs. Alien films are a Hollywood staple, so perhaps no surprise. The American people deserve to know what is happening in our skies. There was a line out the door with people anxious for the government to share more about UFOs. In the Baptist church, we'd say that the devil's in our way. A former intelligence officer, David Grush, testified he suspects the Pentagon's Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, or UAP, office is covering up a decades-long program to retrieve crashed objects. Do you believe that our government is in possession of UAPs? Uh, absolutely, based on interviewing uh, over 40 witnesses over four years. The Pentagon has denied Grush's claims. Two former military pilots also recounted their close encounters. Um, this object was uh, estimated to be almost the size of a football field. Former military pilot David Fravor testified he was astonished by what he saw in the sky. No, I think it's far beyond actually our material science that we currently possess. Congress signaled it'll ask federal agencies and the Pentagon to be more transparent. Many people believe that we're withholding information from them. On any unexplained aerial phenomena incidents, of which there have been at least 366 reported since early 2021. Do you think anybody's mind was changed because of this? I think they will when they see this. They see those men. They're not just, just some random people off the street. Scott McFarland, CBS News, the Capitol. Coming up, this week's Kaleidoscope, where we learn about a national monument honoring Emmett Till. It is a story that should never have happened, and all of us need to know about the details of Emmett Till's life, his death. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. This is the CBS News Weekend Roundup, Welcome to this week's Kaleidoscope. The president just signed a proclamation creating a national monument in honor of Emmett Till and his mother. Till was the 14-year-old boy whose brutal killing in Mississippi helped start the civil rights movement. Alan Spears is the senior director of cultural resources and government affairs at the National Parks Conservation Association. They've been working with members of Till's family and others to create the new national monument. Alan, let's first talk a little bit about who Emmett Till was and just how important his story is. Emmett Till was a very precocious 14-year-old African-American who in the summer of 1955 begged and pleaded with his mother, Mamie Till, to let him please go down to Mississippi, to Money, Mississippi, to visit with relatives. He wanted a summer vacation. And unfortunately, he had a run-in with a white woman by the name of Carolyn Bryant at Bryant's Grocery Store in Money, Mississippi on Wednesday, August 24th, 1955 and was subsequently kidnapped at gunpoint from his uncle Moe's Wright's home. He was driven around the Mississippi Delta on the morning of Sunday, August 28th. He was beaten, he was tortured, and ultimately murdered. And his body was dumped in the Tallahatchie River, weighted down by a heavy cotton gin fan. And there, his killers thought that would be the end of the story, that the body would never be recovered, that there would be no publicity, no press, and no further action, that they had taken, that they had done everything that they needed to do. And um, 
Till's body, his badly decomposed body, was actually fetched out of the Tallahatchie River a couple of days later by a young man who was fishing. And that led to a number of events, including his mother insisting that his body be returned to Chicago for an open casket funeral. Mamie Till wanted the world to see what racism and hatred had done to her son. And that spurred a great deal of hatred, anger, frustration, in the African-American community and communities nationwide and internationally. But it also led to a gentleman by the name of Dr. T.R.M. Howard going on a lecture series in the winter of 1955. And in November, around Thanksgiving of that year, he winds up at the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery. He gives an impassioned speech about the gross miscarriage of justice that's impacted the Till family. And in the audience that evening is Rosa Parks. And three days later on December 1st, Rosa Parks refuses to give up her seat on that segregated bus in Montgomery. She inaugurates the Montgomery bus boycott and, by the way, initiates the civil rights career of an up until then unknown pastor by the name of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So that's how this history is connected. Till's murder, the open casket funeral, the acquittal of his murderers at the courthouse in Tallahatchie County on September 23rd, 1955. All those three things form the catalysts for Rosa Parks to take that fateful action on December 1st, 1955, and launch the modern civil rights movement in this country. So this national park or monument has been in the works for quite a long time. How would it honor Emmett's memory? Two-thirds of our national parks were designated to commemorate some aspect of this nation's history and culture. And there are about 40 units in the national park system right now that are considered African-American heritage sites. So adding an Emmett Till and Mamie Till Mobley National Monument to this Uh, listing of national parks makes perfect sense. NPCA was invited into this campaign uh, by our friends in Mississippi, our partners in Mississippi, who had been working on the preservation of this story for decades. So we were honored to join with our partners at the Emmett Till Interpretive Center and the Emmett Till Academy and working with our partners at the Trust for Historic Preservation, Robert Simple Church of God in Christ in Chicago, and members of the Till family to make this happen. You know, it's just not possible to overestimate the significance and the positive impact of President Joe Biden's decision to designate a new national monument commemorating the story. It is a story that should never have happened, but it did occur. And it's a part of our national narrative. And all of us need to know about the details of Emmett Till's life, his death, and the resilience and determination of his mother to seek justice for her murdered son. So this is really important. Yeah, absolutely. The monument is going to be spread over three sites. Let's talk about where they will be. Sure. Well, we'll start in Chicago at Roberts Temple Church of God and Christ at 40th and State Streets. And that was the site uh, on September 3rd, 1955 of Till's open casket funeral. And thousands of mourners went through the church and there were thousands more on the streets outside to memorialize Till's death and to see, as his mother Mamie Till wanted, what racism and bigotry had done to her son. And we can move south to Mississippi and in the Mississippi Delta in the town of Sumner, there is the Tallahatchie County Courthouse where the trial of Emmett Till's killers took place between September 19th and September 23rd, 1955, and where it took an all-white, all-male jury less than 75 minutes to find the defendants not guilty. Uh, The second floor of the courthouse has been restored to its historic 1955 appearance, so visitors will be able to go there and walk up those stairs and see what that courtroom looked like and kind of begin to get a sense of the stuffy atmosphere that was there in September of 1955. See the area where Mamie Ton and the black press were sequestered on the right-hand side of that courthouse and begin to understand that they were hoping, praying that they might get justice. But I also think in the heart of their hearts, they understood that they would probably be disappointed and they were. 
And the last site is Grable Landing, south of the town of Glendora, which is regarded to be the site where Emmett Till's body was uh, fetched up out of the Tallahatchie River. So those are the three contributing resources, and they each tell a different part of the Till story, and collectively they form the Emmett Till and Mamie Till National Monument. His story is so important to history, especially now when there are numerous state legislatures trying to limit teachings on black history and have even banned books that tell the stories of the civil rights movement. Well, it remains critical to know this history. You know, uh, the late Congressman John Lewis referred to Emmett Till as his George Floyd. And we are still in the middle of this racial reckoning, and we haven't reckoned exactly what we're going to do about race in this country yet, but we're still working on it. And increasingly, Till is a part of this conversation. You know, I don't want to speak for the family, but I was at the proclamation signing ceremony uh, on Tuesday this week in Washington, D.C., and one of the most moving things that I saw was Reverend Wheeler Parker, uh, Emmett Till's cousin, who was 16 years old uh, that fateful morning on August 28th in Money, Mississippi, in that house when Emmett Till was kidnapped at gunpoint and taken away. He was one of the last people to see Emmett Till alive. And to see that he's gone from that house to the White House and was there to witness the president of the United States designate a new national park site dedicated to the commemoration of the history that he lived and also dedicated to helping protect and preserve and elevate that story, which is work that Reverend Parker has done for his entire adult life. That was remarkable to see. And it doesn't really get much more beautiful than that. And on a day that would have been his 82nd birthday. That's right. Alan Spears from the National Parks Conservation Association. Thank you so much for joining us and telling us how Emmett's memory is going to be honored. Oh, you're welcome. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Coming up, tick-borne illnesses are on the rise, including one that has to do with meat. You know, there's good hours and bad hours. It impacts all the things you take for granted that you do every day. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. This is the CBS News Weekend Roundup. I'm Stacey Lynn. Before you throw that burger or steak on the grill tonight, there's a new warning from the CDC about a potentially life-threatening meat allergy caused by tick bites. Here's CBS's Michael George. Symptoms of alpha-gal syndrome, or AGS, can appear two to six hours after eating meat or dairy products and can include hives or rash, nausea or vomiting, and swelling of the lips, throat, tongue, or eyelids. Now a new CDC report shows there were more than 90,000 cases between 2017 and 2022. But because some people may not be diagnosed or tested, it's estimated as many as 450,000 have been affected since 2010. If you have AGS, doctors may recommend you stop eating beef, pork, lamb, venison, and rabbit. And you may need to avoid other foods that may contain alpha-gal, such as cow's milk, 
milk products, and gelatin. The CDC says clinicians need to stress tick bite prevention with patients, including using EPA-registered insect repellents and doing tick checks after being outdoors. And it is summertime when ticks are out in full force. Our Meg Oliver tells us cases of all tick-borne diseases are on the rise. Last year, 53-year-old Carmen Stangoda began suffering from fatigue, muscle spasms, and slurred speech. Eight months of testing, six different doctors from primary neurologists, uh, ear, nose, and throat, endocrinologists. The father of four from New Jersey was finally diagnosed with Lyme disease from a tick bite that didn't show the most common symptom, a bullseye-like rash. You know, there's good hours and bad hours. It impacts all the things you take for granted that you do every day. Other symptoms include headaches, fatigue, and muscle aches. Every summer we see an increase in tick-borne diseases. Dr. Lori Handy says the number of ticks and tick-borne infections nationwide is on the rise, likely due to climate change. Ticks can survive uh, in different areas because it's warmer, and that then can lead to more infections in humans. To prevent an infection, doctors recommend wearing long clothes and using bug spray with DEET, changing and showering once home, checking your body in a full-length mirror, and throwing your clothes in the dryer. Turn it on high, and if any ticks remain on the clothes, they'll, they'll just kill that after about 10 minutes. If you do find a tick, you should grasp it with tweezers close to the skin and steadily pull it out. The majority of tick-borne infections are easily treatable with antibiotics. I really, truly hope that I can just help one other person, 10 other people. This is really been quite an experience. You're looking to travel overseas this summer? Our Tom Fody reports if you don't already have your passport or if yours is about to expire, you may be stuck. Louisiana Republican John Kennedy is among many senators whose phones are constantly ringing with passport complaints. I've got one or two staffers who do nothing all day doing the job that the State Department's supposed to do. And from Connecticut Democrat Richard Blumenthal. It's partly the fault of Congress because we failed to appropriate the resources, but the State Department look, needs to look in the mirror and say, how can we improve this process? Well, without an expedited request, the State Department says it's processing time for a routine passport now is about 10 to 13 weeks. One of Ireland's most popular singer-songwriters has died at the age of 56. MTS Tayab takes a look at the life of Sinead O'Connor. Since you've been gone, I can do whatever I want. Her voice was as raw as it was emotive. Despite winning a Grammy and selling 7 million records, in part for her iconic cover of Prince's Nothing Compares to You, you. Dublin-born Sinead O'Connor was no pop star. A self-described protest singer, her global fame would turn to infamy. While she was a musical guest on Saturday Night Live in 1992, when she tore up a photo of the Pope in protest against the widespread child sexual abuse in the Catholic Church. Fight the real enemy. Ladies and gentlemen, Sinead O'Connor. Just two weeks after the incident, O'Connor was booed off the stage at a Bob Dylan tribute concert. What Sinead O'Connor did was held up a mirror to our society. And we didn't like what she showed us. We tried to shut it down. Over the years, O'Connor continued to make headlines for her public battles with mental health and her recent embrace of Islam, changing her name to Shuhada Sadaqat. 
In 2021, she published an acclaimed memoir detailing the horrific abuse she faced as a child. After death, artists from across genres posted tributes to her online. Sinead O'Connor Shuhada Sadaka will be remembered as a fearless singer and activist who spoke truth to power. Well, don't underestimate the power of a Swifty. They're now capable of causing minor earthquakes. According to a seismologist, fans who attended the Eras Tour in Seattle earlier this month caused seismic activity equivalent to a 2.3 magnitude earthquake. Meanwhile, some people want Taylor Swift to postpone her shows in Cali next week. Striking hotel workers in Los Angeles are urging Taylor Swift to show solidarity by postponing next week's concerts at SoFi Stadium. Hotels nearby are sold out with room rates through the roof. The union says it would strengthen their fight for higher wages if Swift would withhold her bounty until more of it can be shared with members. Thanks to Swifties, hotel rates in L.A. are up 16 percent year over year to an average of $302 a night. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. Well, it is sweltering outside, so here's something to keep you cool. We first heard Cher was launching her own ice cream called Cher Lotto, and now it apparently is Snoop Dogg's turn. Dr. Bombay is available at thousands of Walmart stores across the country and comes in seven flavors, including bonus track brownie, tropical sherbet swizzle, and rolling in the dough. The rapper says it's a great snack to chill, relax, and get happy, but not too happy. Let's just say it's safe for your kids to eat, too. It's also not his first venture in the food market. He's got a coffee brand, and last year, Snoop released a gluten-free cereal called Snoop Loops. Monica Ricks, CBS News. And finally, not a good week for Trader Joe's. They recalled two kinds of cookies, the almond windmill cookies and their dark chocolate chunk and almond cookies, for potentially having rocks in them. Now a recall of their fully cooked heat and eat falafel for the same issue. Rocks. And that's not all. Now they found some bugs in some soup. So the TJ's unexpected broccoli cheddar soup has been recalled as well. That's going to do it for the Weekend Roundup. Thank you so much for listening. The show's always online on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. And we want to get your feedback. You can always drop us a line at weekendroundup at cbsnews.com and let us know where and how you're listening. The Weekend Roundup is produced at the CBS News Washington Bureau. I'm Stacey Lynn, CBS News. If you like CBS News Roundup, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. The Hargan women seem to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings early and ad-free on Wondery Plus starting May 1st. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. 
Inspired by the hit podcast American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Pre-order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital editions wherever you get your books.